we might be on. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, good morning, everyone. Packed house here at Norwood FMC, so it's good to see everybody. Um, uh, okay, so um, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on last week. Last week we talked about focus. Uh, I feel like it's something that God is speaking pretty heavily. Um, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back to a message I gave about a year and a half ago. And I'm going to be dead honest with you. It's one of my favorite messages to listen to me give, but I did a terrible job giving it. I feel. I feel like I did not do a great job because the material itself, what we're going to talk about today is, is life shaping. And I do mean that. I know I'm eccentric and whatever, but <laughs> this one is really hard to get around and, and, and really high. Um, but I gotta, I gotta somehow get it so it's on the ground. Um, that's my struggle, right? That's my job. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, let me just start this up. People, uh, people have been telling me they're confused about this lately, and so let me just say this. Um, I always say that Jesus did not die to give us religion or even church. Church was a good gift. Hey, I'm not gonna be here in the media. Take care of one another as well. And everything, okay, 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 that's good. Everything you need, I'll provide, but I'm going to spread it out through people in the church. Everything you need. This one over here will have wealth. If you really need finances, there'll be people to help out. This one over here will have a gift of teaching. This one over here will have the gift of serving. I'll put everything of me, says Jesus, but I'm going to spread it out through everybody else. So don't you dare go try to make it on your own. Because I'll provide everything you need, but it's going to be in a group of believers. Oh my gosh. Shut it down. Let's go home. It's good. Packers play soon. That's fantastic because I don't want to come to church and going to church doesn't make me a Christian. Fine, but the provision of God is spread out through his people. You may see somebody who's wildly talented. They don't have it all. No one has all the gifts. Christ Jesus did, of course. But if you want to see Christ Jesus, you've got to look at her and him and her and him. Oh my gosh, this is, anybody else feel that? That's awesome. That's so cool. So yeah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but that's where he's providing himself, honestly. And so, wow, okay, yeah, Jesus didn't do that. So let's start with Philippians 2.6. Okay. Um, yeah, this is my main thought. It says this. Yeah, okay. So your attitude, <clears throat> your attitude as followers of Christ should be the same as Christ. Hello, your little Christ. He's, he's God, but he didn't consider quality, equality with God something to be held on to. But instead, he made himself nothing, took on the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And again, grasp is not reached out for, it's maintained. I had to look that up, Kirk, because that always, that always confused me. It's like, is he God or isn't he? And it's saying, no, no, no. Equality with God, his Godhood, he didn't consider that something to be maintained. Instead, the priority was making himself nothing to save you all. Like, oh, okay, that jives with the rest of the Bible. This is my main thought for the day. I came across this a few times in my life, and it confuses me. So Mark is maybe writing this for Peter. Mark might have been the guy who penned it. Peter may have dictated it. Do you understand that? Scholars believe this is the gospel of Peter. Simon Mark may have written it down, and he would have written it. At the end, he would have signed it Mark. Okay? So through the years, they've said, oh, that's Mark's gospel. Well, who's Mark? Hello, who's Mark? This seems to be a first-hand account. Even right here, you're gonna, he's going to quote him. And you can compare it to the, to the uh, epistles that Peter wrote, and you can see similar styles in writing. So in my opinion, I take this as Peter wrote this, dictated it. Could Peter write? He was a fisherman. Could he write? I don't know. You figure that out. But he may have needed someone to dictate it. Get it? So as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Which, right? Posture of worship. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now his verbiage there is a little off. It's very much, you know, inherit, get, but anyway. 
But Jesus doesn't focus on that. He says this, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. But, but we just read that equality with God, his Godhood, he had it, let it go to become a man. So what are you talking about? No one is good except God alone. Is Jesus saying he's not good? It sounds like it. Is Jesus saying he's not God? It sounds like it. Can we just be honest for a second? So here's what I do, usually. I don't, I don't like those, let those, sit, those questions sit because I believe that beyond these questions and confusion are big truths. I'll back that up by saying this. They said to Jesus, why do you speak in parables? And he basically says, like, so the people I want to understand it will understand it and the other people won't. The ones that put in the work, Mike, the ones who are committed and who want to leave it behind and seek first the kingdom of God, I'll provide the answer. But the casual listener, no. They're not going to just get the secrets of the kingdom. Ooh, that's good, right? I had to tell somebody last week, don't throw your pearls before swine. It's something Jesus talked about. You know how you get that? You, you get wisdom from God. Wisdom is from God alone. So he says this. Now, it's, here's the thing. Most people will just read past it. But can I tell you something? I think there's a huge human truth that he hit me with at 8 o'clock a year and a half ago. Sitting at my table, he hit me with this truth. And we're going to talk about this. And where I end on this message is a very difficult point that I don't even like. I don't like it. My third point, I don't like. But it's, I, I feel like it's true. So let me try to get through this and again, try to put this on the ground because it was so lofty last time. I think what Jesus is doing here is saying this. I think he's saying, careful, no one is good except God alone. I don't think he's saying he's not good. I don't think he's saying he's not God. And it's true. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. That's why we sung that. We sung it. I think what he's saying is this, Mike, just put it simply. Careful throwing around terms like good or bad. That's what I think he's saying. And let me spend the next 10, 15 minutes telling you about this. What happens is this, as human beings, how do we determine what's good or evil? This, is, this, could, sh this could shape our lives, honestly. And if I were answering, just honestly, I'd say something like this. Good is, um, if it feels good, if it adds to me, gives me a sense of security, something like that, that's good. Well, what's bad? Well, to AJ, it would be this. It costs me something, takes from what I want, or something like that. But I got an author named Paul Young who wrote The Shack, and he tackled this, and he says, um, notice that the answers we're going to give about good and evil are very subjective, aren't they? Which means they're very individualistic. Everybody's going to say something different. And we continue with this. How confident are we as individuals in our ability to say what's good for us and what is evil? And if we're being honest, this is very important because... We defend what we've labeled good, and we fight for it, don't we? And we run from what we label bad. Run, 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 run. Well, here's the problem. You're the one who put good or evil on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me go slowly. So it all actually starts with us labeling something good or evil. Jesus is saying, careful throwing around that word good or bad or evil, right? Careful, because that will start a whole heap of stuff, good or bad. <clears throat> we defend what we've labeled good. We'll fight to maintain it. So if we can admit that, that we do that, we have to admit that this too, that in our lives, it's us that determines what's good or evil. But we also have to admit this. If we become the good judge of good or evil in our lives, that which we've labeled good or evil will change over time or circumstance, doesn't it? Yes. Okay. Have you ever thought something was good and then realized it wasn't good in the long run? You ever thought something was bad and then realized, wow, that actually wasn't bad? Or a relationship, for example. Oh, definitely this one's going to be, oh, crash and burn. 
well, you labeled that, and now you're changing its label? Careful what you're labeling, good or bad. Because you're running away from what you say is bad. You're running toward what you say is good, and maybe that's not our best lives. Do you get what I'm saying? And this, this can be surface. I've told you before. Um, I think it's bad to ever go out on a cruise ship and lose sight of land. It terrifies me. I don't ever want to do it. <laughs> but I, so, right? So what would I do? I told you before, if, I got, if they're like, you won two free tickets to eBay, boom. <laughs> and I take the money and I take my wife out to dinner or something. I don't know. But I would not go on a cruise ship. Now, how do you know I wouldn't get on a cruise ship and like it? Right? There's lots of stuff that I've done that with. I'm not going to like that. Well, and then decide to like it. Or something that I thought was good or a person. And then I realize, oh, I don't like that at all. And so those are silly ones, but at one time I would have judged this thing to be good and then it changes. That's pretty slippery, isn't it? Now I want you to add the fact that there are billions of people on the planet doing the same thing. <sighs> right? Labeling things good and labeling things bad. Choosing to fight for what they labeled good and running from what they've labeled bad. So I can see where Jesus is like, oh, easy. Your, your beginning stuff is all wrong. You throwing out labels on stuff? <laughs> okay, good. If we can get this, we can look practically at and realize that a lot of hardship and negativity in our lives come from this, guys. How many times do we make absolute statements? Let me just do one corrective piece of thing here. Um, I've told you before, <clears throat> this will help relationships, I promise, from father, son, whatever, whatever, spouses, grandparents. This week, watch your speech and notice how many times you make absolute statements. In other words, I'll keep it light because this is going to get, like I said, it's going to be heavy. Pumpkin pie is gross. Have you ever heard the, uh, the argument that Alex and I have had? Before Izzy came along, Alex just was strapped to me everywhere I went. We were in Price Chopper one day, and I remember we were going somewhere, and he's like, Daddy, pumpkin pie is yummy. And I was like, ugh, I don't like pumpkin pie. I think it's revolting. Disgusting. <laughs> I've got teammates on this one, too. I'm like, pumpkin pie is yucky. And all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he's angry. And he's a little two-and-a-half-year-old spunk fire. Pumpkin pie is yummy. And I'm like, pumpkin pie is yucky, bro. And we're sitting in the bakery aisle, and I get my hands off the cart, and we're just barking at each other, yelling. Well, I just hear it, and I notice. <laughs> we're getting heated about this. And I notice, like, other people are, like, going around us. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a grown man. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trip people's radar. I'm like, pumpkin pie is yucky. He's like, yummy. <laughs> the funny thing is, he had never had pumpkin pie before. <laughs> And I know it's a silly it's a silly example, but you ready for this? I didn't say this. To me, pumpkin pie is yucky. I declared myself the royal pumpkin pie connoisseur and said, it is gross. Didn't I? I just declared something gross. I didn't say to me, Kirk. And therefore, he didn't agree with it. We incited a riot in a baker aisle of rice jobber. All I had to say was this. To me, right? To me, that's yucky. And the other person say, to me, that's yummy. And we would say this. Good. I think last time I talked about this, Kirk, you might be a John Deere guy. I might be a Cub Cadet man. We don't draw pistols on it, do we? We say, to me, I prefer not Cub Cadet's the best. It's like, well, bro, that's subjective to you. And in doing that, and I know it sounds harmless, but you're declaring yourself the author of truth. Get it? I get to dole out good, bad. Aren't I a good and wise God who can declare good and bad? See where I'm going with this? And it might sound pithy. I... Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback to ever step on the field. That's how I feel. <laughs> how are you going to... Oh, boy. See me after class. I want to see what you're going to rebuttal with. Do not say Tom Brady, but anyway. 
Now I'm mad and I don't want to give the message anymore. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? The difference is to me, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback because of this, 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 this. And then there can be points of openness and argument and discussion. Well, blah, 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 blah. But if I just declare it and you declare it, there's no wiggle room. Do you understand? This can happen in the way you go about doing your chores. This can happen in the way you go about doing your job. This is the right way. Who told you that? Who said that? And if you're the person with that power and authority, then guess what? They're the person to convince you is going to have to crash into your power and authority. But unlike Jesus, who gave his power and authority and said, boom, I trust God. God is good. God declares what is good. Do you see what the difference? Now, now, let me, this is going to be a little hyperbolic, but I don't think too crazy. If we continue to label good and bad, guess what happens? That muscle starts to grow. It's just the way life works. You get good at it. You get good at having opinions of absolute. And you start saying this is good and this is bad. This area of the world is good. This area of the world might be bad. Where I live is best. Where I live is maybe this group of people is good. This group of people is bad. And then you end up with our nation's history of if you look like that, you're bad. You think that just starts? Come on, use your psychology. What a one degree you've got. <laughs> Some of you. <laughs> no, I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm just saying, really. Do you think that just started? You grew up into adolescence and said, hmm, bad. No, that was a series of, I have the right to declare, right to declare, right to declare. And it grew and grew and grew until it was big enough to lump people. Do you understand? Or sexes. Men and women. You think that just happened? Really? You think they left the garden and he went, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. No, that went from declaring, 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 declaring to, do you see the root of this is pride as well? Do you see that? And so pumpkin pie is not yucky or yummy. To me, pump, right? And I have to teach my kids this too. Be careful, parents, when you're teaching your kids. Don't teach them good or bad. You know what I mean when it's stuff like that. I have to say some people like this and some people don't. Because we'll be sitting there and we'll be at the table and you're careless and I'll say, oh, that's disgusting. And of course, kids will adopt what you say. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> like you've never even tried it, right? I've got to say, whoa, mama likes that. Daddy doesn't like that, bro. All things different. I play all different styles of music. You get to choose which one you say is good. But don't say that this one is exclusively good. And life's going to be a lot easier for you if you walk around and go, my preference. We're not going to fight over it. Isn't that going to be a lot better? Life and life to the fullest if you stop laying that down. But anyway, okay, we're seeing that right now, guys. We're seeing that right now in our country. Every voice in the media, I don't care what your opinion is. No, I literally don't care what your opinion is. I really don't about politics right now. But I will say this. I'm 38 years old. I've seen how many regimes come and go. I use that term loosely. And I've never seen so many voices declaring bad and declaring negativity every single day and encouraging you to do that. You have the right to declare that bad, declare that bad. You know, I'm talking about the president, and here's one thing I saw, and I don't care what you think. Think This is a fact, ready? They declared him bad before he even took office. That's all I'm saying. Careful who you declare, you, you declare, what? All these crazy predictions, and you know what they said? Hey, you should do it too. You've got a platform, it's called your Facebook. Declare him bad, declare him bad, declare him bad. And it's like, bro, don't, don't you see you don't have the right to do that? Are you not under authority from one who created that person? What have I said before? I've said, be careful putting, throwing around labels. Time out. Judge not does not mean just don't judge negatively. Judge not means take the gavel, put it away, take the wig off, and get out of the judge's chair. Don't declare good or bad. Do you understand? Judge not means don't declare good. Don't declare anything good. 
Because who are you, dust man, dust woman, who will die and rot in the ground? You don't have the authority. And I'll tell you what happens when we start using the power tools that are fit to the Father's hand. People get hurt. Bill and I are building a deck. We're almost done. 33 by 16, right? Huge deck. The kids are running around. We do everything we can. Stay away. We know how to use these things. They're fit for us. If you try to lift that, you're going to hurt yourself. If you use that skill saw, right, Bill? We do everything we can to keep these kids safe. Judgment and declaring are tools that are not for human beings. You do not declare good or bad. You know what you do? You turn your ear and say, what do you say is good and bad? Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what's going on in our country right now. Everybody's got the idea that, you know, time out, just a rant. When I was in England, this would be 2004. Well, most of the 2000s, early 2000s, late 1990s. I don't even know who was in office. I don't care. But I remember how embarrassed I was when I turned into American TV and heard them slandering our president when I was in another country. You ever think about that? Making it okay for everyone around me who was not my countryman to declare bad. And remember, I didn't really have an opinion about the politics. Again, I couldn't even tell you who was in because it could have been so-and-so or so-and-so. But I remember late-night talk show host had the gall to stand up there and go, bad. <laughs> and I went, oh, man, you just opened the door for everyone in this country to talk bad about my country. Careful little mouth what you say, right? Careful little mouth what you say. What a pickle we are in. If we are all the declarers of good and evil, and we're stating that there must not... Okay, if we declare good and evil, here's another thing. This is where I usually lose people. We're, ha we're not even halfway through. We're more than halfway through. But this is where it gets heavy, and this is where it's really important, but it's just a lot. So here's what I want to say. If we declare good or evil, we are declaring that there must not be any absolute good or evil. Do you see where it's one or the other, Mike? Either Mike gets to declare it, or there's an absolute good or evil. And one of the things going on in our society right now, well, every society sense, there's nothing new under the sun, is that if how you feel is truth, and we all worship our feelings, then what we're saying is there is no absolute truth, good or bad. And that's where our society's heading. And I got news for you, if you want to study sociology, that's where every society always heads before collapse. I'm not prophesying, I'm just saying. Because how can a government govern when everybody's feelings is truth? You can't say that. You can't speak truth anymore because it hurts someone. If we're all declaring good and evil, then we're saying there is no absolute good and evil. And uh, the reason this is important in our day-to-day -day because of this. <clears throat> On our Monday morning, we spend a huge amount of time pursuing what you've labeled good. Financial security, retirement, good health. And we spend even more time worrying about and fearing what we've determined evil. Is that not true? It is, right? You don't worry about good things happening, do you? Do you lay in bed and go, geez, I hope I don't win the lottery. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you should fear that if you're not good with finances. But anyway, do you see what I'm saying, Tone Sharon? We'll pursue Monday morning. We'll get up and we'll go to pursue the good things, and then we'll worry about the bad things. And if you're thinking like AJ, you might get ahead of me and go, who declared that bad enough for you to worry about? Oh, you, oh, you did. And the effect of you taking that gavel is now worry and anxiety. Nobody's coming at you. I'm kind of wondering why God, Jesus would say, whoa, stop right there. Who are you calling good? That's all I'm doing. If that's our compass for direction, what to chase and what to avoid, shouldn't we really be sure of it? So I'm not even coming at what you're doing, but I'm saying this. I think that Jesus is saying this. When we exercise this quote-unquote ability, when we think we have the right to judge things good and evil, we're, we're, we're you know, declaring ourselves the source of truth. That's the truth. And of course, that becomes our, our compass. Now, do you want to know what... Um, let me move on from this.
One thought real quickly. This is nothing new. You know what this is? It's an echo of what happened in the Garden of Eden. I know what you said, and you said what's good and bad, but I know what's best for me, but out. That's all this is. It's the original sin falling short. It's the original thing playing out in 2018. Mike, it's all it is. You said that's bad. I don't think it's bad. I don't believe you. Ooh, it's actually good. Remember what it says, guys? When Eve saw that the food was good, that the fruit was good and pleasant to the eye, didn't Do you follow me? I should, I, should, I should put that up, but it's a new thought. And Eve saw that the fruit was good and pleasing to the eye. Who labeled it good? Father said, it's absolute evil right now. It is absolute evil right now. And she goes, um, I'll define my own truth. Thank you. Boom. And there was the original sin. That's all we're doing. The original sin wasn't necessarily pride or it's a, it's a cousin of pride, but it's declaring of good and bad. And she said, ooh, that looks good. That'll be good to eat. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's something in this. Okay, here we are. 2018. And we're still declaring our independence from our loving Heavenly Father. Every time we label something good and evil, it to me is every, uh, one more step of independence. I agree with William Young when he talks about this. We can either continue to be the people who say what is good and evil and define it on our own terms, or we can give that quote-unquote right and submit and surrender that to God through the Holy Spirit. Allow him and only him to dictate that. And if you're willing to do that, or even be open to that, why don't I teach you a little bit in that? The Bible would not talk about your job or this phase in life as evil or good. Do you know what the Bible would talk about when it teaches good or evil? It would say this, and then you can frame your job and everything through it. Evil is the word used to describe the absence of God. You want to know what's bad in this world? The absence of God. There you go. Not how you feel. Not tummy jumblies. Not the stinks. I don't want to go. No. Bad equals, if you, want to, if you want to lean on the Bible and stop leaning on you, bad equals the absence of God. Good equals the presence of God. Go, this could really set us free, couldn't it? It could really, Think about how you're going to worry. Anyway, I want to hear me. Just like darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of God. And if we can yield for one second and believe creator dad when he says he's light, he's good, and he is love, number one, we should rejoice that it actually exists. But number two, we should realize this. When we realize that, uh, we must see that declaring independence from light and good and love can only result in evil. See, that kind of stuff is where I lose people because <laughs> that's high and lofty. Okay, so God is light, love, and good. Remove from him, you're only left with darkness, Okay. If we declare those things, we're only going to be left with darkness. Get it? Because we're leaving him for the definition. Ugh, I know, I know, this is hard. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got to build that thought because I want to tell you something in a minute. It has to do with hell, which I don't talk about very much up here, but this. When we see that declaring independent from what is good, God, can only result in evil. Declaring independence from love... God is love. Declaring independence from him can only result in no love, right? Because he's love. Declaring independence from him who's good can only result in evil. That's what I'm trying to say. We good? I needed to frame that because I realized this. I don't believe, now theologically this is loose. I don't believe Jesus has to send him, anyone away. I don't believe Jesus sends anyone to a place of torment and separation from him called hell. I believe we walk there one declaration of independence at a time. 
That was worth it, Donna. Thank you. I don't believe anybody is going to be in a place of separation from Jesus and be surprised. Come on, use your heads. I, I don't think anybody's going to go, what? Oh, man, no. I'd be like, yeah, I heard, and I said no. In fact, there are really good, deep theologians who believe that people, Lazarus is in torment, and what does he say? He doesn't plead his case, does he? He should, Yeah, he says, maybe it could get, get relief, but does he say, this is wrong, I don't deserve to be here? Did he say that? I don't believe anybody who walks away from Christ Jesus will ever say, Jesus, this is wrong, I don't deserve to be here. They're going to say, I walked here on my own. Do you understand what I'm saying? How could a loving God send, whoa, what? Send? As though you don't have free will? As though guys like myself... And, and a whole bunch of people don't give up their lives to tell you about Jesus Christ. And we don't put comfy seats up and do carpeting and, and redo that wall up there to look all nice so that you can hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't send. You walked. Every, one declaration of independence at a time. No, I know it's best for me. No, I know it's best for me. And can I tell you something real quick? I'll give you a little physics lesson. If you head off in one direction, do you know where you're going to head? In that direction. That's it, right? Even Sesame Street knows that. Near, far, near, far. If you start walking away from God by declaring independence, saying, I know what you say about sex, money, power. No. Boom. I know what you say about my job and money. And boom. Do you see what I'm saying? And then don't be shocked if you end up back there. Oh, my gosh. It's so simple. It's profound. And at the end of a life, a 65 average, 80-year life, someone's going to go, wait, I'm far from God? What are you thinking? They're not going to be surprised. They wake up every day knowing they don't have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? No one's going to go, oh man, it was all true. Crap. I couldn't pay. Now I got to pay for my own out, out steps of boundaries and in my own sin? Yeah. You didn't commission anyone else to pay for them. What do you expect? No one's going to be shocked. And no one's going to accuse God of not being a just judge. That got dark fast. That's, that's real life, though. So let me just get through this. We got community in the back. <laughs> that cracks me up. Okay. Slide, please. Talking about this independent stuff. Uh, that cracked me up. Just how disheveled I am, not how funny I am. <laughs> um, therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. C guys like us, okay? Uh, even the folks, you know, you collect enough. People ask me, do you take money at your church? I've had a guy at the gym, he goes, do you take money? I'm like, well, bro, I mean, we need to function, yeah. Because even the people who aren't preaching or running the project or whatever are being a part of making disciples by making this place. Anyway, so make, make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. New life. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, which we're doing right now. Surely I'm with you always to the end, always to the end of the age. Um, give me way and truth and life. Do we have this? Jesus says I'm the way, and John, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know where this one was from. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've got a problem with that, we need to talk. This is where everything starts and ends right here. That he left heaven, came to earth, and he is. Now, ready? If you declare independence from God which I believe we do day to day if we keep the robe and gavel of, okay, declaring good and bad, then we, we, we declare independence from God. If we declare independence from this, what do you get? Let's just do this, Mike. If he's the way, the truth, and the life, you get this. A dead end, lies, and death. If you don't have Jesus, right, guys? Dead end, 
lies, and death. Because he occupies all the way, all the truth is him, and all the life is him. And so if you say no, Lord Jesus, or even just not today, here's what you've got. Dead ends in your life. Why do I keep going around, around, around? Right? You don't have truth. You got lies, things you're believing to trust, you're trusting to support yourself. And certainly you end up with death, which is separation from God. Death is separation from God. That's all it is. <sighs> okay. Okay, here's the part that I didn't want to talk about, but I want to talk about. <sighs> and I want to thank God for giving me a boldness. Because when I picture myself giving messages, I don't say the hard stuff. But then I get up here and it just comes out. <laughs> which I know is God. Here's the hard part. If what I just said is true, good is the presence of God. Evil is the absence of God. And we can all get there. Do you know what that means? That means this. That in one instance, good might actually be the presence of cancer, loss of income, or even loss of life. And that's why I didn't want to give this message, because I don't like that. Because bad is a bad report, right? No. No. Bad is anything outside of what God's doing right now. Good might be the presence of a high A1C. Good might be, do you see what I'm trying to say? Now, let me frame this in a, an easier way because we just dedicated Graceland, a little baby girl, perfectly healthy in Jesus' name. And I alluded to this before. Is infertility bad? Oh, AJ, this is a trick because you just gave a whole message about I can't say infertility is bad if God is present in it, correct? And it's easy to get by now when we're holding Graceland. And, and did you see him two weeks ago? We we're all up here, grandparents and the whole nine. And so their journey of infertilities, was it good or was it bad? It had to be to their advantage, okay. But if you ask Steph and Dave, they would say this, we felt God's presence every day. So therefore, logically, that journey must have been good. Do you see what I'm saying? Guys, do you get it? David will say things like this, where are you, God? I've talked to people about pouring out their complaint. You're supposed to. Pour out your complaint to God. Yell to him, scream, whatever. Oh, I can't. You're not supposed to feel that way. We've got a problem. You already do. You already feel that way. Problem is now you're holding it in. That's sin. God, why? Why this marriage? Why these kids? Why this? Pour it out. Because that's what David does. But you know what happens too? Watch. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm seeing it in front of my face. The first half of the psalm is usually, Lord, everybody's pursuing me. And why do the wicked prosper? And oh my gosh, you're good. You're so good and your love endures. All that's happening is this. He finds God in the situation, realizes it must be good. End of story. Boom. Joseph says, oh, you meant it for evil, my brothers. You, you took my dignity. You, you, I was rejected. I was abandoned at every turn. I was beaten. I was a slave. I was property. You meant it for evil. And I, let me paraphrase for Joseph for a second. That's my middle name. I actually really relate to him in some ways. Um, just a side note. But I can see where like, a younger AJ, a younger Joseph would have said, oh, you guys are so evil and what you did was so bad. But I feel like Joseph learned from Potiphar's house and he learned from the prison, wait, 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 wait. Is God in this? Yes, he is. I'm still interpreting dreams. The destiny is still before me. I'm gonna walk in excellence. That's practical application right there. And he gets to the point where he says, even that which you meant for evil, God was in that. Pain doesn't equal bad. Suffering doesn't equal bad. In fact, pain and suffering are part of the Christian journey. We worship a Messiah that was tortured beyond recognition. And he says, pick up your cross, cross every day and suffer 
but we'll suffer together. That's what it is, right? That's pretty. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, let me wrap this up. Let me land the plane. For me, the hardest year of my life, the most difficult year of my life, in, in, in waking, I, I, had a, I had a hard early start, I've told you before, between birth mother and things like this, but the hardest uh, conscious year of my life was when I was 26-ish, and dad suddenly died. Now, I was living with dad and mom, okay? And I didn't have anything going for me. I was working at the radio station, um, no girlfriend, no, no real friends, my best friend Pete. But, um, and when he passed away, uh, that began the hardest, darkest year of my life. I mean, you know what grieving is. Let me give you some advice. Grieving is a backpack you wear whether you want to or not. And it's a little monkey that I can picture. When you're having a good day finally, pop, it'll hit you. It will. And I watched some people, uh, well, I'm not going to rip on my brother at all. My brother Nick, he grieved a certain way, which I think was more the, I don't want to think about it, I'm going to run away from it like everybody does. I grieved a different way, which is go to the grief counselor, which is free at hospice. For anyone, by the way, and they're absolute saints, these people. I went to hospice, sat there and said, my dad just died. Was he on hospice? No. It didn't need to be. Free grief counseling. Anyway, so we grieve two different ways. Where was I going with this? Yeah, grief is a backpack you wear no matter what. Oh, okay. So that was the hardest year of my life. I was in a constant state of adrenaline. My life was falling apart, and, and I went and got a job at uh, Walgreens bagging groceries as a 26-year-old. You know, I had a bachelor's degree in the whole nine, and I was bagging groceries with high school kids. To, to give mom the money for the mortgage. We couldn't afford to live in that house anymore. And that was the hardest year of my life. Well, strangely enough, I met my wife two months after that, which is two months into that year, I'm saying. So like the darkness fell on June and I met her in uh, August? In August, yeah. But um, that was the hardest year of my life. I mean, there were tears, there was crying, there was questioning and all that. I mean, really, it was dark. It was a suffering, suffering year, but... In the light of, here I am now, 38, 12 years later, that was the best year of my life if my priority is getting closer to God and, and, and being with him. He was, he, I could feel him more with me in that year of suffering than I can even now in a year of triumph with the kids. And So would I have declared that bad and run from it? I would have robbed myself of the most important year of my life. And again, ironically, I also met my wife in it. And married her a year later. And all how things turned around situationally. But here's what I realized. AJ, stop labeling good or bad independently and just look for Jesus in every situation. And here's, here's a spoiler. Ready for Uncle AJ's advice? He'll always be there. And even in your hardest day, you find him, everything's going to be all right. That's what I've been talking about for a couple weeks, about focusing. Where's your focus? I won't pick on you, Lisa, but think about it. Driving somewhere. Might, might be somewhere you don't want to go. You know what you do? You find him in it. Find you in it. Is this you for me right now? Okay, it is. This is good. Right? So we're going we're gonna to close it down. I, I, I don't know how much more practical I could have made that. Um, just find him. Find him in your situations. Yeah. Let's sing how he loves. Brighten things up a little bit. Because it's his love that, that, that does this for us. We know that, right? That keeps us safe. We sing, you'll never let go of me. In other words, I'm always in the presence of good. It's his love. So stick around online. Thank you. Um, 
we sing how he loves. Okay, hold on. Before we do that, I have a joke. <laughs> do you ever, anybody watch America's Got Talent? Okay, the judges are Howie Mandel, Simon Cowell, and two ladies. My kids love to watch it, okay? For the most part, it's good, wholesome fun. Alex, the other day, Howie Mandel, he says, Hey, Dad, Howie loves us. Oh, Howie loves us. <laughs> I said, who told you that? He goes, I don't know. I just... <laughs> so I'm going to try to not crack up every time we sing. Isn't that funny? Oh, it's got Donna's sense of humor. <laughs> like a hurricane I am a tree we're bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and then I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so we thank you for your goodness father We thank you that we've never walked alone a single day in our life, Lord God, that you're here with us at all times. We thank you that you've chosen to put your love upon us, independent of us and what we've done, Father. We thank you for all that you are. Yes, he is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am the tree. I'm bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and then all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me yeah he loves us If his love is an ocean, we're all sinking, all sinking. Cause then heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss in my heart. It turns violently inside of my chest. And I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way. Oh, how he 
Forgive us, Father, for being the declarers of truth. We understood that that was a job that we never were hired for, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to loosen our grip on that, Father, and to instead just look for you in situations. It really feels like it's the right thing to be doing, Father God. It feels like truth. Pursuing you is truth because you are truth. But insulate us, Father God. You know, we, we develop some bad habits. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd help us to do this and to be committed to it, Father God. We're allowed to have opinions. We're just not allowed to declare. And so, Father, we, we, we give back that right that we thought we had, Father. We give it back to you. And we want to return to you, Father God, for defining good and bad. And in that, Lord God, even if things are difficult, help us to find you and then give us the strength to trust you for change. Give us the strength to trust you for change, even though we don't see it right now. So, Lord, today we just surrender ourselves anew. But not in a way of a slave, because you don't call us servants, you call us friends. And we thank you, Father. We ask that you'd help us to feel your love in a fresh and exciting and wonderful way, that we are fully accepted because of what you did, Lord Jesus. And that it cost you, Father God, but you gave us the reward. You gave us yourself. You are the reward. We love you, Father. Help us to know that you love us individually. Let's sing, He Loves Me. Yeah, He loves me. Oh, how He loves me. Oh, how He loves me. Oh, how He loves. Father, help us to get that, get that down deep into who we are, Father God, that we are loved by you of your declarations and what you've chosen. We thank you, Father. We ask for your presence fresh and new in this week.